Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So there's nothing like starting my radio program with some NBA preseason drama. Nothing more depressing. Nothing I want to do less. I mean, I'm supposed to believe that these preseason games, I guess, do serve some sort of purpose. What that purpose is, I don't really know. These games are nothing more than glorified practices, and they're not even that glorified at all. NBA Twitter, because it's NBA Twitter, and it has nothing better to do, and it's jonesing so hard for anything to do, seems to think these are, in fact, real games that are happening. Then again, NBA Twitter is also the most bleeped up hellscape within the bleeped up hellscape that is social media in general. Did you follow that? Because those two things, NBA preseason and NBA Twitter did in fact collide last night to stir up a whole controversy, which can be best summed up by two of Sham's tweets. Sham Sharenia, quote, Sources, there was a physical altercation at Warriors practice today that has the team considering disciplinary action toward Draymond Green. Tweet number two from Shams. Quote, when a chest-to-chest interaction with guard Jordan Poole escalated, Green forcefully struck Poole and both needed to be separated swiftly, sources said. End of tweet. All right. All right. Sounds pretty bad. Quote, forcefully struck is pretty much never a good thing, especially when it's one teammate forcefully striking another. And the one doing the forcefully striking is known for forcefully striking people. You know, those on the other team, those on his own team. So let me get that out of the way, right? I'm a huge Draymond Green guy. You know this. I always have been. This is a big Draymond house. Now, I can't defend and condone some of his strucking of people, forcefully or otherwise. Nor do I think that even Draymond himself can defend and condone some of his forcefully strucking of people in the past. He knows this. Just as he knows himself and he knows that bleep can get away from him at times. He knows that. And he knows when he steps over the line, and he may have done that in this case because there's speculation that he has already apologized to the team, and the team is considering disciplining him for whatever he did. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. Shams did go on to report that, quote, the Warriors stopped practice, and they tried to settle nerves in the team's locker room area, but it appears that internal discipline is imminent, end of quote. All right, so once again, I get it. I don't condone it. However, let's not act all shocked and outraged and act like this dude's totally out of control and selfish and not thinking about the team. I wasn't there, but I know that's not what that was. I know that's not how it is. I'll tell you what that is. That is the complete Draymond Green experience. He crossed the line, perhaps, Because he rides the line. This is his leadership style. And by the way, it's a very effective leadership style. 
More importantly, it's a leadership style that his teammates are completely on board with. Don't take it from me. Take it from Clay Thompson. Here is what Clay had to say at Media Day less than two weeks ago. Yeah, Clay. Clay from Warriors. That Clay from War. Stop it, Alvin. Clay from Warriors Media Day less than two weeks ago talked about Draymond and the way he leads and the way he challenges dudes. If you can't be yelled at by Draymond, you probably can't play for the Warriors. It's just kind of, it's kind of like a bylaw now. So. It's just what it is. Talk about some foreshadowing, right? If you can't get yelled at by Draymond, you probably can't play for the Warriors. You know, if you can't be, I would add to that, if you can't be forcefully struck by Draymond, you probably can't play for the Warriors. Anyway, joke aside, every part of that answer is pretty critical to this situation. It's almost like Clay was gazing into a crystal ball. Like, he knew something like this was going to happen because it has happened and it will happen and probably will again. Pretty much every single word he said, Clay Nostra Thompson, every word he said is relevant to this topic. First of all, it's not just the young guys. Dre is in everybody's face, which is what makes him, quote, the vocal leader, Quote, the extension of our coaching staff. Quote, such a great teacher. Quote, great at giving out tough love. Quote, whatever happens between the lines, we don't take personally. Quote, we all know it comes from a great place because we all want to win so badly. Quote, if you can't be yelled at Draymond, you probably can't play for the Warriors. That's just what it is. End of quote. We hear a lot about how tough he can be on the kids and the rookies and stuff. Does he ever like that with the veterans, too? Does he crack down on, on you guys sometimes? Definitely. And Draymond is our vocal leader, and he's like an extension of our coaching staff. Such a great teacher, and Draymond is great at giving out tough love. And, you know, whatever happens between the lines of the hardwood, we don't take personally. And we all know it comes from a great place because we all want to win so badly. And if you can't be yelled at by Draymond, you probably – can't play for the Warriors. It's just kind of it's kind of like a bylaw now. So it's just what it is. It's a bylaw, right? So he literally predicted it. I was not there yesterday. I don't know what happened. Draymond probably stepped over the line or he wouldn't have apologized. There may be some imminent discipline, but Clay literally laid out what could happen and then it did happen and they understand it. I mean, there's nothing to add to that, right? That's the whole deal right there. The entire blow-up is Draymond being Draymond in less, in less, in less. We come to find out that it was so much worse than that. I have not seen video. I haven't talked to anybody who was there. I don't know. So let me just make that the one caveat. If something really bad comes out of it and Poole's got a broken jaw or a broken nose or a broken face or a broken leg then yes, I'm going to walk this back. However, what it sounds like is the Draymond experience. What it sounds like is Draymond being Draymond, the Warriors being the Warriors, and that is their process. And as long as nothing got broken, rather than getting all outraged about it, you probably should be scared because there doesn't appear to be any complacency in the Bay right now.
the Rams. As an example, running around so Super Bowl hungover, they look like they're still drunk from that parade that seven people attended. The Dubs, on the other hand, were already in mid-season form, mid-season intensity in the first week of October. Like, these dudes have four Larry O's, and they're starving for more, screaming at each other, swinging on each other, and the games don't even count. Clay talked about that as well at Media Day. Asked about how four rings is nice, but what would five mean, Clay? We're all so proud of what we accomplished last year, but that's in the past, and... Um, you know, the greats stay hungry and, uh, we all are motivations for why we want to win another one. I mean, the guys coming back who've won it for their first time, uh, I just know they want to experience that again. And I mean, for me personally, and probably, you know, Steph and Andre and Draymond, like you think of the players who have won five championships. Uh, it's such a short list, and to have the opportunity, just the opportunity to be able to do that is, like, so special. Like, I think back to my rookie season, and if you would have told me in 10 years I have an opportunity to win five championships with the Warriors, I I would have laughed in your face. So to be here and um, heading into the season healthy with this opportunity, I get chills thinking about it every day. This is why I'm cutting them slack. And again, I'll preface this by saying I wasn't there. I haven't seen video. I don't know exactly what happened. But short of somebody having a busted face, this is why I cut them slacks. Slack. Four rings and a chance to get five. So what is the fastest ball sport in the world? Not baseball, not tennis. In fact, it is the sport of highlay, spelled J-A-I-A-L-A-I originating in the Basque region of Spain and played professionally in the U.S., most notably in the 1980s. Highlight is making an unprecedented comeback. The ball reaches speeds of 150 miles per hour. The action is intense. The danger factor is high. Six-person teams of professional athletes play the sport at the Magic City Fronten in Miami, Florida. I invite you to check out all the action Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m. and Friday night at 7 p.m. Go to HighlightWorld.com or download the free Highlight app in the App Store. The sport with its intensity and athleticism is well worth watching. Check out all the action at HighlightWorld.com. Matches are played similar to tennis with a player or team required to win two sets to win a match. Each set is played up to six points. It is a sport you need to check out. HighlightWorld.com. Monday and Tuesday at 5 p.m., Friday at 7 p.m. So why don't we relax until we find out that something was broken? Why don't we relax on the whole Draymond hysteria this morning? Miss me with the melodrama. Again, I'm not condoning throwing hands with a teammate. Nobody wants to see a fister at practice. I don't think that's part of the so-called new media. Punching teammates is not part of the new media. It's not okay. We all know it's not okay. Draymond knows it's not okay, but it happens. It happens. Not only does it happen, it happened to his own coach, one of the classiest guys ever, a guy with a fistful, a vault full of jewelry. Never forget MJ closed Steve Kerr's eye in practice once. Punched him in the face. We talked yesterday about Kobe Bryant leveling 
Pau Gasol at the Olympics in a game. They were teammates. Ran right through him. I don't know. Maybe Draymond watched the last dance again. Maybe he checked out the Redeem Team doc. I don't know. My point is this. It happens. Always has. Always will. And something tells me the dubs are going to be just fine. That something, something being about all those banners and trophies and rings that these dudes have already piled up together mean that it's going to be all right. Once again, this is who Draymond Green is. This is what he does. He runs hot and he punches people. The opposition and his own teammates. This is what you get with Draymond Green. This is what got Draymond Green to the NBA. This is why he's had such a prolific career. Because he runs hot. He runs on that kind of fuel because he has that edge. And the second he loses that, he knows he's done. I'm just glad it wasn't Steph or Clay or Kerr or most of all my guy, Raymond Ritter. Dude's in midseason form already. And we know that he and Jordan Poole have some history. I like Poole. But Draymond has gotten into it with more important teammates than Jordan Poole. Never forget the time that he called then-teammate Kevin Durant a, quote, bitch during a game against the Clippers. If he's calling KD a bitch bitch. during an actual game, I'm guessing he might let the hands go at the likes of Jordan Poole at practice. Again, not condoning it. Again, wasn't there. Again, haven't seen the video. He may have crossed the line. But if he did, it's far from the first time. You know, it won't be the last as long as he's not clocking the four most important people in that organization. Steph, Clay, Kerr, and Raymond Ritter. Then I can live with it. As long as nothing got broken. And one last thought. The way Twitter had it, since we don't know, the way Twitter had it, you think that Draymond v. Poole was worse than Javaris Crittenton and Gilbert Arenas pulling guns on each other with the Wizards. You'd think that, if you read Twitter last night, that Draymond beat Poole down like Washington Redskins. Commanders. Redskins. Michael Westbrook getting on top of Stephen Davis and forcefully striking him to a pulp. You'd think that it was worse than the Maoist at the Palace. But in practice, and that a Netflix doc is coming out on that next week. You'd think that Draymond left the floor, went up into the rafters, unscrewed the scoreboard, and dropped it on Poole's head. You'd think Draymond got so pissed. He left practice, he went into the parking lot, got into his car, and drove right through the practice facility onto the court and ran Poole over with his whip. R.I.P. Lawrence Phillips. So I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said it, 48 hours. It's incredible. And on top of that, 
Dove Men Dry Spray feels light, and it's clean on your skin, and it's quick, and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly, take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. Mike Hilton is my guest. Mike, really good to have you on the show. Mike, how are you? What's going on, Jim, man? How you doing? It's been a while, man. It's great. It's great to have you. I was going to say, Mike, how you feeling personally? And then how you feeling about your team heading into week five in that big divisional matchup? Uh, personally, I feel good. Um, you know, um, I feel like I've made a lot of plays uh, for our defense, and you know, uh, I feel like we're starting to trend in the right direction. And you know, the way we started 0-2 to where we are now with a big game on Sunday against Baltimore, you know, um, I-, I-, I like how we're trending up, and everybody's confidence is high. You know, I was going to ask you about that, Mike. You had that great run of the Super Bowl last year. That maybe we'll double yep. back to in a minute. But you start the year 0-2. Joe Burrow immediately deletes Twitter or Twitter and Instagram from his phone. I'm curious, what was the mood like? within the team after that start was there any finger pointing and did anybody flinch or blank no none at all um got guys felt like we should have won those two games you know um the Steelers game we lose our long snapper so can't really control that and then you know we lost on the last second field goal in Dallas so we we know as a team we make one or two different plays you know it's a totally different ball game but nobody lost confidence everybody knew once we get that first win on the road you know it was going to it was going to trickle over, and we put ourselves in a good position to be 2-2 two and two going into Sunday. We're talking to Mike Hilton. So, Mike, you played for the Steelers, of course. You play for the Bengals right now. You know that division as well as anybody. It's physical. It's always personal. How would you describe or characterize life inside the AFC North? Oh, it's the best division in all of football. Um, it's the most physical physical division in all of football also. You know, you got guys trying to tackle Nick Chubb, Lamar, and, you know, all those guys in Pittsburgh, and it's just plenty of guys on, on, on every team that just makes it difficult to win. But, you know, the thing about our division, it, we, we might be rivals, but we it's a lot of respect between everybody, and, you know, when we go out there, we always compete. Talking to Mike Hilton, you mentioned Lamar. Like, with Lamar Jackson, obviously, it's he's such a different dude, and he creates so yep. many problems for the defense. What is the best way to slow this dude down and limit the explosive plays that he can make with both his arm and his legs? Uh, number one, try to keep him inside the pocket. Um, everybody knows once he get outside the pocket, that's when he's <clears throat> pretty much the best player in all of football. And we know as a defense, it starts up front. If those guys can be smart in their rush lanes and contain and make him make throws from the pocket, you know, we, we feel confident about our, um, our our chance of going making plays on the ball. So we we know from from up front to the back end, we all got to be on the same page. Yeah, Mike, I get that. But the thing is, even if when you keep that guy in the pocket, like how much respect do you have for his ability now to spin it? And ha- is he not a more accurate passer than he gets credit for? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can tell this year he, he's, his, his passing has improved a lot. Um, I'm pretty sure he's heard all the news and stuff about him throwing the football, and I think he's taken that to heart. And he showed through these first couple of games that he's able to make a – tight window throws and deep ball throws and just really open up their offense as a whole. We're talking to Mike Hilton, Bengals, Ravens coming up this weekend. Mike, so I'm curious, how much better are you for going up against Joe Burrow and the tremendous trio of guys that he slings it to every single day in practice? And then what are those battles like for you personally? 
Oh yeah, it it it's improved me as a whole as a defender. Um, going against those guys every day in practice, you get a a, a different aspect from each receiver. Um, and then you throw in Joe, who's very accurate, who's very smart, and has an arm to put in uh, tight windows. Also, it's it it, it doesn't do anything but raise your uh, confidence and improves your skill as as a, a football player. The next 60 seconds is dedicated to every small business owner whose company was disrupted or shut down during the pandemic. You may have overpaid on your payroll taxes. If you have five to 500 employees and you paid wages and health care costs during COVID, you may be eligible to receive an employee tax credit of up to $26,000 per an employee. Even if your CPA told you you do not qualify or you already received a PPP loan in the past, Omega Accounting Solutions has helped thousands of small businesses recover more than $400 million in ERC cash. In fact, many CPAs and payroll companies turn to Omega for ERC tax guidance. Just goes to show how trusted, knowledgeable, and well-regarded they are. And with over 50 years of experience in financial management, business leadership, and corporate strategy combined, you can count on Omega every step of the way. To learn more about the employee tax credit or to schedule a quick and easy free 10-minute ERC consultation, call 1-800-704-2000 or visit omegataxcredits.com today. Hey, Mike, in terms of Joe, for instance, like you just mentioned it, he's got that great arm, he's got that great head. I mean, this guy, <laughs> there's nothing that he can't do. But let me ask you this. Given how many right. shots he's taken physically and the fact that this guy not only does not come off the field, but he nah. constantly <laughs> finds a way to make plays and lead from the front, what's that say about his toughness and how much do you respect it? Man, there's not too many quarterbacks out there like him to, to take the type of hits he's taken and get up and you know throw a 15-yard first down the next play. You know, he just has that, that, that confidence in his ability and, and, and the guys around him. So just knowing he he's he's leading us uh, as a team, you know, we we feel confident that every drive where is going to be successful. You know, Mike, when you just said that the guys that you go up against make you better, like not to single out any of the three, but Jamar Chase is obviously so special. I mean, this guy's a dude. As a corner, yeah. I know that you would never say that any one receiver is unguardable, but is this <laughs> dude is this dude unguardable? Man, he, he's the closest thing to it, you know. Um, even though he's in his second year, he's made a, a much improvement as far as route running and knowing how to read defenses on the fly. You know, he's just he's learning every week. And you watch the you watch the team, like watch the film. Teams are respecting him. They're double teaming him. They're leaning that safety to him. Like I, I'm pretty sure it's frustrating on his end, but that's a, shine, uh, a sign of respect that shows what type of player he is. So, Mike, I would say that being on the island in the NFL is unlike anything else in that league, and it's not for, for sure. everybody for sure, right? How would you oh, describe yeah. what it's like being on that island every Sunday, and is this something you embrace? Oh, yeah, you got to embrace it. Uh, you, you, number one, you got to be confident in yourself just to play this position against these, these type of receivers, you know what I mean? Because um, you can be in the best position possible, and the ball still is getting caught on you back shoulder. Like It's just, it's just you got to have extreme confidence and – Knowing like they're going to make catches, but as long as you're contesting and in position to make plays, you'll you'll give yourself opportunity. So, Mike, before you go, on, your journey is so interesting. Like you came out of Ole Miss, you were undrafted, and it's always forward and never back. But the Bengals made that amazing run last year to the Super Bowl. If you took a moment and you did look back, what do you remember most about that run, and what was your biggest takeaway? Man, just, just seeing how far we've come, and 
and me personally, seeing how far they come as an organization. Like, you know, me spending four years with Pittsburgh, seeing how far Cincinnati has come and where we are now, you know, it, it, it's great improvement. And just knowing the, the steps we've taken, we're, we're only going to get better. You know, last year's deep playoff run was good for our experience because we're a young team, but it, it doesn't do anything but build our confidence, and it shows us that we know what it takes and we have what it takes to get back there. So we're excited about this journey this season, and hopefully we can get back. Yeah, so before you go, I'm curious about that. Like, when you were in Pittsburgh, I mean, and Pittsburgh is known for their defense and their tradition yeah. and the way they play. When you were in Pittsburgh, how did you view the Bengals, and then how do they feel to you now, now that you're one of them? Uh, you know, when I was in Pittsburgh, definitely viewed the Bengals as uh, the little brother in the division. Um, most most people would probably guarantee that's a win. You know, never want to say guarantee, obviously, but they felt pretty good about it. And now just being on the opposite side, you know, I, like I say, I've just seen the growth of these guys and this whole organization as a whole. And now being a part of it and being being one of those leaders that they, they, they look to to make plays, you know, uh, I, I I love it. I embrace it. And, you know, I, I'm excited to be here and see where we can go. So, Mike, one last thought. I think you know what you signed up for, right? You know how violent the game is. You know how dangerous the game can be. That said, when you see what happened to Tua last week and you were on the field or you were there when it happened, it was a clean well, shot. It was a legal shot, but it left him concussed. And it was really, really scary. And at the end of the day, you guys were out there and you make a hell of a lot of money. And it's entertainment for the fans, but the fans don't really fully understand exactly what's yep. going on. Like, had you ever seen anything like that? And if there is a brotherhood in the NFL, what's it like when you see somebody go down like that? Uh, personally, I haven't seen anything like that, so that was definitely scary for me. I was probably five, six, seven yards away, so I, I saw the whole play and, you know, saw how his body reacted. And, you know, just it, it, it should, that things like that show what type of brotherhood we have because once he went down, us and the Dolphins obviously took knees and prayed over him everything, but – you could just see throughout Twitter all the love he was getting and, you know, all the prayers he was getting. It just shows, like, we might be competitors, but we're, we're, we're all in this fraternity together and we're one. And, you know, we, we, we all love each other even though we're on different teams. I appreciate your thoughts on that. You've got the Bengals and Ravens, big-time games, Sunday night football. Mike Hilton having a big year with Cincinnati. Mike, appreciate you. Great to have you back on the show. Really enjoyed that conversation. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Jim. Appreciate having me. Did you know that a fire department responds to a fire every 23 seconds? October is Fire Prevention Month, and we have teamed up once again with First Alert, the most trusted brand in fire safety to help protect your entire home with safety that you know you can trust. Smoke and carbon monoxide alarms help provide an early warning in the event of a home emergency. Having enough First Alert smoking carbon monoxide alarms is one of the very best things that you can do for your home and your family. So install alarms on every level and in every bedroom of your home. Then, once the alarms are installed, it is important to maintain them by testing them with regularity. Remember, alarms do not last forever, and they do need to be replaced at least every 10 years. If you can't remember the last time you replaced your alarm, it is best to replace the unit completely. And along with alarms, fire extinguishers are essential. Make sure to place fire extinguishers on every level and in common spaces like the kitchen, and be sure you know how to use them. For more information on fire safety products, safety tips, and educational activities that you can do at the home with your family, go to firstalert.com slash fire prevention month so week five of the nfl kicks off tonight colts v broncos hopefully we avoid that horrific scene that i just talked to mike hilton about involving tua 
Now, it may be a streaming-only, subscription-based, premium piece of content that they're pitching to us tonight. However, to me, when I look at that matchup, it feels a lot more like that piece of crap that we used to get on the regular for years on Thursday Night Football. All that's going to be missing in Denver tonight are those putrid, color rush unis that look like somebody puked all over them. What are we really getting? We're getting the Colts, and they're going to be without their best player, Jonathan Taylor. He's got an ankle injury. What are we getting from Denver? They're going to be without their RB1, Javante Williams, who ripped up his ACL on Sunday. So what are we getting? We're getting a quarterback matchup that becomes even more important. Matt Ryan v. Russell Wilson. Awesome. Great matchup. Matty Ice and Russ. Awesome matchup. If it were 2017. Because although Russ seems like he's starting to find his footing a little bit, both these dudes are looking more and more faded and a hell of a lot less interesting than they have in years past. I mean, previously, Matty Ice and Russ in prime time was actually appointment viewing. Now I'm literally not watching this if they don't pay me to watch this. I mean, you know how bad football is always better than no football? Yeah, maybe not tonight. I hope I'm wrong. But as you know, I rarely am. So I will watch it because I'm paid to watch it. But I'm also going to get down and bet it, which I have, because that'll make it even more watchable. And I need a reason to watch it. Never thought that I would say it, but two teams that felt really damn good about themselves are gripping way too hard, way too soon in this season, and they both badly need wins tonight. Even in a 17-game season, week five, they both have to win tonight. And if it sounds like I'm saying that they're two of the biggest disappointments in the NFL, it's because they're two of the biggest disappointments in the NFL. Ryan, Matt Ryan, has not given them much more than Carson Wentz did. And Wentz damn near wrecked that franchise. And Russ was supposed to be the second coming of Elway and Pinky himself. And the last remaining piece. But he's been anything but. Then again, it's not like the alleged offensive genius, Ritt's son, Nate Ritt, has done Russ any favors either. Still getting around that. Hey, Ritt, how you feeling, dude? How's your health? It's October 6th. That's why I'm asking. All you have to do is stay above ground eight more days. And you will have your segment. Game on. On that day, we both turn the calendar, another page or another year. October 14th. Just checking in. He says he feels good. Anyway, blame it on injury, Bronco fans. Blame it on injury. Blame it on new system. Blame it on Nate Ritt. Blame it on who or whatever you want. But the fact is, Russ is 34. He's not the same guy that he's been. And that scrub that they kept instead of him in Seattle, Geno Smith, is playing his ass off, and he's completely outplaying Russ to date. Yes, Russ is saddled with Nate Ritt as his coach, but his former coach, the gum murderer, has damn near turned Geno into Russ. Or as Gino likes to say, we all wrote his ass off, but he didn't write back. They wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. Never mind that even Jameis Winston has no idea what that means. 
Whatever that means, it's accurate. What I'm saying right now is this. Nate Ritt looks and sounds and coaches exactly like Garrett Ritt would if we gave him a headset. Thank you. So I'm not exactly sure what the hell this guy did in Green Bay that made him so special and so well-respected. I know this. He better win tonight. They better win tonight. Especially since I'm hitting those slugs at home, minus three. What I'm saying is, hey, Denver, let's ride. Broncos country, let's let's ride. ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Bad enough I got to watch this. Let's ride. Bad enough I got to watch this. Imagine how much worse if Broncos country and I don't ride. What if it costs me money? What if I watch this and they lose? They lose to Maddie Ice without Jonathan Taylor. Hey, Denver, let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Hey, Broncos country, you lose this game and cost me money. I am pissed. Broncos country. Let's ride. You know what? If we had unpaid Broncos interns country. in the Broncos country, I mean this. Let's ride. We damn well better ride tonight, Let's Broncos ride. country. If we had unpaid interns looking for college credits around here, getting coffee, filing, filing things, and studying under the great Alvin DeLauro on how to kill cockroaches, they would call this game very, quote, mid this game is mid you're not paying me enough you're not paying me anything i'm an intern this is too mid in fact this internship is mid i quit get your own coffee old man your show is mid old man your staff is mid man your studio is mid you're mid take this mid job and shove it that's why we don't have interns. You know what? You interns are mid. You're lazy, man. So are you, James Kelly. Anyway, 9 a.m. Pacific. And if you failed, now it's 10. But if you failed to get Prime to work, you got some time still yet to get that on the big screen in the media room. If not, if not, if you can't figure out how to get that up on the big screen in your media room, you know what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. And it's mid as hell. You'll be watching that game tonight on your phone like Ed in San Antonio. Why don't you watch it on your phone? Well, because I'm not 13 years old. Why don't you make me a sandwich? (laughs) Good one, Ed. Why don't you do my laundry? Didn't want any of that. Why don't you make me a sandwich? Why aren't you washing dishes? Didn't want any Why of that. Why don't you make me a sandwich? Why didn't you vacuum the living room before Why I got home? Didn't sandwich? want any of that. Speaking of sandwiches, I would rather watch this terrible game on an infinity loop on my phone than eat Russ's Danger Witch sandwich. Called Danger Witch. And it's dangerously good. I don't know what's in it, but I know it's from Subway, so hard pass. On the other hand, it is my signature sandwich. On the other hand, you want the best sandwich in the world? You get yourself some Ike's. Ike's 
is the best sandwich shop in the world. And if you want the best sandwich from the best sandwich Mm. shop in the world, you order the Jim Rome sandwich. Not only the best sandwich I've ever had, it's the best meal I've ever had from any restaurant other than Javier's. Mm. Those two right there are the two finest restaurateurs in this entire nation, in my opinion. Javier and Ike. I'm not playing. I mean that. Those two dudes are the OGs. They're the godfathers of food. Not just restaurants, but food. Javier and Ike. Yes, there are other culinary legends. My man Bobby Flay. I love Bobby Flay. Wolfgang Puck. Emeril Lagasse. Gordon Ramsay. All legends. Nothing but respect, dudes. Just don't try to group them with the two dudes looking down on them and everybody else. Javier and Ike. Two living legends who are making this world a much better place. One lobster enchilada and one Jim Rome sando at a time. You put respect on both those legends. If you're looking for that sandwich, it is the number 65. Jim Rome Sando. We'll get through that game tonight somehow, some way. I'm just saying, Broncos country, we better ride. Awkward. You know what's awkward? When you miss fire, awkward. That's what's awkward. Hey, Alvin, you know what's really awkward? When you miss fire, awkward. Then let me guess. The... uh, let me guess. The awkward button awkward. is next to the other button. Broncos country, let's ride. You know what else is awkward, Ike? Looking awkward. through that glass and seeing you do your aerobic exercises all day, every day. What are you doing, Richard Simmons? Can you not just <laughs> sit there and do your show? Man, what a day. I wish we were on TV so you could see all this. He is everywhere doing all things. He is John Morosi, and the MLB postseason is getting underway tomorrow, so you know I had to run him down. My guy, John, what's going on? How are you? Jim, I am outstanding, my friend. Thanks so much, as always, for the invitation, and what a great time of year do we have right now in baseball. Aaron Judge gets 62 this week. I was very honored to be there, and now a, a playoff round and a playoff journey unlike any we've ever seen gets underway tomorrow. I can't wait. Well said. That's how you set that up. All right, so since you were there, John, let me ask you about Aaron Judge. How would you characterize not only what he did this season, but how he did it and the way he carried himself on and off the field during one of the most prolific individual seasons ever, all while rocking the storied pinstripes and doing it in a walk year? Jim, it's an incredible American sports story. And when I reflect on what Judge has achieved this year, I think those two things, what he did on the field in the batter's box and the way he represents himself, the Yankees, the sport, they're inextricably linked. Because I think the calmness and the strong sense of self that he has, I think whether it's on the field or off the field, I think that's what allowed him to achieve what he did. And he shared with me after the game on, on Tuesday 
certainly, yes, it's only natural to feel some pressure, but there was that calmness that comes from the mental approach of knowing that you've put in all the work, that you have the ability. And there's a certain tranquility, Jim, that I think you and I, we've been lucky to talk with great athletes. The great ones, no matter the sport, seem to have the same common thread about trusting their preparation, who they are, all their years that have led up to a moment, and then to be able to just relax and execute in the moment. And I think that it speaks to the magnitude of all that was going on the last couple of weeks and just the challenge of, of hitting a baseball. And, and you only get four chances. A little different than uh, if you think about LeBron in his prime and how many minutes he'd be on the court, how many times he'd have the ball in his hands, the control that he could exert in a basketball game. It's simply not that way in baseball. You get four chances, maybe five in a game. And I, I think it just speaks to how in command of the moment and of his emotions Aaron has been that he was able to do it. Yes, there's extraordinary talent. We can see that, the way that he worked on his weaknesses. I think that's the other key part. I know my colleague Tom Verducci has talked about this a lot, that whatever small flaws or vulnerabilities existed in his game, it's the mark of a great baseball player and really, Jim, a great professional in any walk of life. Work on the thing that you're not good at. Don't just work on the thing that makes you great. Work on the things that that are your few weaknesses when you're as talented as Aaron is, and that is why he is now the American League record holder and the Yankees record holder at 62. I think, John, that's an amazing response, an amazing characterization and description. I like that so much. How do you think it plays out, John? For instance, would the Yankees let him walk considering he is the consummate Yankee and just had one of the greatest single seasons ever, or will they continue to preach fiscal responsibility and have that concern for a player that size at that age getting that kind of a long-term deal? How do you think it plays out? You know, Jim, it's an excellent question. It's one that I think we're all mulling over right now. And I, I realized that there was some back and forth, whether it was in spring training or comments from either side as, as the season went along. I just think that both sides will eventually come to the realization that they're better off together than they are apart. And, and the rules are just a little bit different when you are a certifiable American sports icon. And that's what Aaron Judge is right now. Whatever negotiations took place in spring training, they all happened before 62. 62 changes the game. 62 makes you an all-time Yankee legend who's going to have a plaque in Monument Park, who may well have a plaque in Cooperstown. And when you consider Aaron Judge and the future, the next 10, 20, 30 years of life, let's just reflect, and, and the, the scenario has been put out there a lot, how about the Mets? Same city, owner who wants to spend, and I get that. But how complicated does it then become for Aaron Judge if you walk into the other side of town next year and you have to live up to the contract with the Mets every at-bat, and then with the Yankees, the embrace in the future is never going to be quite as warm as it was for all these years. So that, that just sounds – I realize there's financial complexities in all, in all this, Jim – but in my sort of Midwestern perspective, that just sounds awfully complicated. <laughs> Whereas he's going to, I'm sure, get paid enough money to stay where he's at. And, and he's already, through what he's done, Jim, for years and years and years, endeared himself to the Yankees for all time. To where if he gets off to a slow start next year and it's in New York, 
he is going to be forgiven for a long time. Whereas if he, he gets off to a slow start with the Mets or the Giants or whomever else, it's what have you done for me lately? And, and I just think Aaron is just is such, he's just such a smart person about, about everything on the field, off the field. I, I, just, I think that eventually the numbers will make sense, and he'll also see things that way as well. The MLB postseason gets underway tomorrow. You can watch John Morosi on MLB Network's coverage throughout. It's going to air live before and after every game. The schedule in its entirety is available at MLB.com slash postseason. John, before you go, let me get your thoughts on a few of these storylines. As we get ready for the postseason, you've got the Dodgers, and they're pretty banged up, of course, but they have that legendary depth. Are they the team to beat in your mind? No. They're not. I, I think it's the defending World Series champion Braves, at least right now in the National League. Uh, the Dodgers, when you think about their rotation, there's no Walker Bueller. Tony Gonsolin is, is not 100% yet. He didn't really have sharp command in his, uh, in his first start off the injured list this past week, just two innings. I, I've got a lot of questions about them. Chris Taylor, they believe, is going to come back, and that's huge for them because of what he means to their lineup. I, I just don't see the same... Uh, top-to-bottom depth that I saw both pitching and offensively as I did on the World Series championship team two years ago. Yes, they've got Freddie Freeman now, and yes, they've got Trey Turner for a full season, and Mookie is still Mookie. I, I just don't know if after those big three, if it's the same depth of team and if it's the same consistency uh, with respect to pitching. The Braves have really found their stride. I, I thought there was a time earlier this year, Jim, that that the National League East was done, that the Mets were going to win the division. There was no questions asked about it. And then the Braves started playing like the champions that they were last year and are honestly a better team. They've got Acuna now. Uh, Obviously, they've lost Freeman, but Olsen has played very well for them. I just like what they're able to do all the way around. Their bullpen is deeper. Their rotation, I think, is very strong. Uh, you look at Kyle Wright in the year that he has had. The Braves are the most balanced team right now in the NL and the deepest team, the one that I think is going to win the pennant. And then on the American League side, not to sound unoriginal, but the, the best team on that side is the same one that was the best team a year ago, and that's Houston. Look at Houston's rotation, Verlander. Remember, Houston, similarly to what I said about Atlanta and Atlanta making it to the World Series and winning it last year without Acuna, the Astros didn't have Verlander. And they got to game six of the World Series. And now they have one of the great pitchers of all time, really, back and potentially winning a Cy Young. Kyle Tucker's made a step. Jim, there's just so much depth right now with the Astros that uh, if things play out according to talent and depth, we're going to have a rematch of last year's World Series. Mm, And so many good storylines. John, really quickly, Shohei agreed to a $30 million deal for next season to avoid arbitration, but since Angels owner Artie Moreno has put the team up for sale, Shohei has publicly stated that he wants to play for the Angels. Where does that leave the player and the team going forward? Well, Jim, it's an excellent question, and there's a lot to this story. Obviously, to your point, the team being up for sale is something to consider. They just extended their interim manager into a full-time manager, Phil Nevin, for one year, for 2023. Shohei Otani under contract for one more year before free agency. Team is up for sale. So while the Otani contract superficially gives everyone some degree of certainty, the reality is he could also be traded this winter. And, and the one thing that I think is, is logical as you consider this is uh, two ways of looking at this. Number one, it gives the Angels at least an awareness and everybody involved, if a, if a new owner comes in by the spring, let's say, 
you don't want your first thing that you have to do as an owner to be, I'm going to go to salary arbitration <laughs> with one of the greatest players of all time. That's just not a great thing to do as job one. So that eliminates this possibility. I think it also at least would give the Angels and other teams a, a degree of, of knowing what the price tag would be if they decide to trade him. I still am a believer, Jim, that this franchise is more valuable with him than without him. But I, I also think that we're about to find out as we get deeper into the offseason, what does the, the new owner want? And if the new owner seems to think a rebuild is the best strategy, similarly, I don't think the new owner wants to come in and then trade Shohei Otani as the first thing he or she does. So I just I believe that uh, we have not heard the last of the Otani offseason drama. I think, on the contrary, Jim, it is just getting started. No one like him, an MLB Network insider, NHL Network reporter, NBC Sports contributor, and as I mentioned, the MLB postseason does get underway tomorrow. And you can check out John Morosi on MLB Network's coverage throughout. For that schedule, check out MLB.com slash postseason. John, you are the absolute best. Great to have you on. Thank you very much, and have a great time with it. Jim, you're the greatest, my friend. Always enjoy our conversations. Uh, you are the best in the business, and uh, it's a pleasure anytime we have a chance to catch up. Here he is. Let's go to John in Philly. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, Jim, I'm doing great, man. Hey, Jesse, why don't you call next week for the uh, beef segment, buddy? We'll see if you can get off your tow motor over top of that big, fat head of yours. Oh, and speaking of fat head, Jim, see how easy that was, Kelly? Just calling back. That's all he's asking for. Let me get on the line. Oh, I dropped the call. I'll give you a call right back. That's how it works, Kelly. Show a little enthusiasm beyond, well, Jim, uh, maybe we can uh, bet on this team this week. The Broncos look pretty good. No, I'm done with that. Jim, I wanted to let you know that from yesterday, I never would think that I could even come close to getting a golden ticket. The guys that get the golden tickets are just a step above. But to hear you laugh like that yesterday, dude, that made my day. It was worth it. It was funny. And, I, and I'll tell you what, Alvy, why don't you run that uh, breath that J- Jim took when he was out of breath because he was laughing so hard. Make that a loop. I'm out. John and Philly. John and Philly, my man, really enjoyed how much I enjoyed his call yesterday. But I did. But I did. How about that lecture he just dropped on James Kelly? Hey, Kelly, that's how you do it. When the host says, pick up the phone and call, pick up the phone and call, it's not that hard. Kelly, you got that, Kelly? For a minute, I had to think, who who is he Kellying? Who does he keep calling Kelly? Oh, James Kelly. Good night, no!